Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life. Get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck, for crying out loud. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I, I, I well, got it. Well, you have to push the got it button, button on the yeah. podcast thing. Uh, maybe so I wasn't recorded, Mike. I don't know if you want to do it again or just leave it, but I, I didn't push the got it button until I said I got it because I didn't yeah. see the got it. It's all right. Oh, boy. Uh, it's you all might, right. You, you might, you might uh, want to tell me to not die again. Don't die, Chuck. See, no, now stop, it's all stop dying. Stop, stop dying. dying. <laughs> well, I was, the thing popped up on my screen said, got it. And I got to push, got it. I know. Me, me too. It's just so they, so that Mike isn't surveilling us. Stop dying, Chuck. That's what we do around here. And let me tell you something. These people are not fucking listening. There's been three people. It's almost as if a given now. Before, sometimes I was wrong. Like when somebody of the wrong age, like not 80 or 75, died, I would always say, that's drugs. And two out of three times I was right. But people would say, how can you say that? You don't know that. <laughs> Fuck hey, you, man. You well, think everything is drugs, man. This well, it sounds like Keith says that. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, everybody. Pete says everybody. Like, you know, you see drugs and everything. And two out of three times I was right. The toxicology report, unfortunately, comes out three months or four months or five months later. So you can't go around all the people that were boohooing about the person dying and say, hey, I was right. I was right. The guy died of drugs. <laughs> you, you can. It happens but on the internet all the time. I'm pretty sure it's 100%. The guy, the old guy in the movie Green Book, uh, 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 I think it's Green Book, the Viggo Mortensen movie about the piano player and the bodyguard. That guy, it just got announced today, died of a green. fentanyl cocaine overdose. He was like 60 was that, years old. Was that Green Room? The Green Book, I think. A Green Book? How, how do I not even know what the heck that is? It's Viggo Mortensen. He plays a, he plays a bodyguard for a black piano, jazz piano player in the uh. South. It won the Academy Award for Best Actor. Oh, so, 2018. Yeah. So that guy died of drugs. And it, so did Coolio. It came out this week. Coolio. Yeah, that's fentanyl, what I heard. So I didn't fentanyl. know Coolio was dead. Everybody <laughs> dies of fentanyl. Now, Everyone. I'm, that's my goal is to, to having died, never playing golf, and to not die not of fentanyl. Not die of fentanyl. There you yep. go. That'll make you a unique individual in American uh, uh, life. Yep. It might even make no, the it's news. Sad. It's sad as fuck, all these. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. I had a call with the Don't Die Wisconsin guys today with Patrick. He says hello. Uh -huh. um, they're, they're doubling. Do you know that they the overdose death rate in Milwaukee went 400% from 2019 to 2022? Like, it's four, insane. Four times? Four times the deaths. It's wow. crazy what's going on statistically you know because we're seeing it everywhere all the time but just for you at home when you see somebody like coolio die of fentanyl which I, that would be the last drug i would think coolio would be doing <laughs> that's what, you know what that's I mean? what the guy said i'd be like let's go <laughs> i think he'd be weed a little uh Zerp. juice <laughs> syrup <laughs> and cocaine and and he dies of fentanyl it's yeah, so sad he had, he had a little peep PCP in 
Good well, for him. Well, that's but, that's fun. But I mean, fentanyl, like, what are we going to do about this? Like, this is going to kill millions of people, way more than any war has ever killed anybody. Fentanyl's going to kill, like, millions of people. You know, it's that 100, just made- when, when it gets to 200,000 a year, are we going to go, oh, it's only 200,000? Because that's what yeah. we did when it became 100,000. Oh, it's only a hundred thousand. Well, they kind of we, do it to themselves, don't they? They kind of do it to themselves. They, they do. It's right? the trash taking itself out, right? But just the little things like we didn't know Coolio. I wonder how many people have overdosed, hey, and we didn't know it because it wasn't obvious. Speak for yourself. I I did his last show. You kidding? <laughs> no, at the at the at the terrace. Did he seem tired? No, he seemed upbeat and everything was cool. It was a great show. Yeah. See, I don't see it. I he don't think of fentanyl is an upbeat drug. Is fentanyl an no. upbeat drug? No, sir. <laughs> no, no, sir. sir. But, but just the fact that, I mean, unless you're sitting there, unless someone says you were doing fentanyl, if you're found dead, I, do they even test for it unless it's obvious? It's, it's in everything. And now, so Patrick... Don't I, Wisconsin, Patrick, the guy that took our whole idea to a whole nother level and has much respect in the state of Wisconsin, the city of Milwaukee. He said there's this other drug now. I don't know. I'm so out of it. I don't even know. Swanson, not like the chicken dinners, but there's something with an S that, <laughs> that is sweeping across Wisconsin. Do you are know this doing, drug? Are, are, are they doing the trank dope with the yeah, xylazine? What is, in that? It? what is it? Xylazine. What yeah, the is fuck that, is that? What is that? A, it's we, we, yeah, it's a, it's a tranquilizer. It's it an animal tranquilizer. People. It kills yeah, you, people. Narcan doesn't work on it. Yeah, it kills people, Mike. Hey, keep telling me, Mike, how you'd be lining up to find some sorazine or whatever it's called. Xylazine. It's with an Xylazine. Yeah. So xylazine. Okay, okay, I'll keep killing you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the, the people that I knew that were first doing that. They, they, those. No, we, people are doing. Mm, listen to this. They're doing. Fentanyl laced with xylazine. Right. Yes, called, I know. It, so it's called Trank, and it's, it's called the zombie drug, and it's or, the one that they all tip over, but they don't actually fall. They just kind of bend in half and sort of look at the ground, like really. What the fuck is the fun of that? Is that fun? I have no idea. Shooting coke is fun. See now that shooting I, coke is fun. There's well, nothing they, fun about these drugs, Bob. She, Bob, shooting coke is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. The the kids were buying it on the street, and it was called death or gray death, depending on the color of it. So gray it's not death, the gray death. And th- these were people from Philadelphia that were people that went to New York, Philadelphia, back What's and forth. Brown? Sort of thing. Besides heroin, what is brown in like a powder form? What's brown? Brown is heroin. No, but what if it wasn't heroin? What else would it be, Chuck? I, 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 I'm not sure. I mean, when you say brown, all I think of is Jenkum, where people inhale the the poop gas. Jenkum, Jenkum, was big for people for a minute too. What is Jenkum? Jenkum is when you take human feces and then you urinate oh, on it, and no, then you. It's not that. No, J-E-N-K-E-M. what is fentanyl? Does this, does this, what is it called? This, the <laughs> tranquilizer drug? It sounds drug? cheap, whatever it is, Chuck. <laughs> it, what it is, is the tranquilizer drug? It, it, it is. It's trank dope. It's, 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 okay, death. Is that it's brown? Death. Is that brown? Is that you brown? Know, I'm a, sure, I'm sure they could, they could remember how we're just a, a, par- a concerned parent of mine 
asked, he found something that was brown and, and uh, I said, it's probably heroin. He said, no, I don't think it's heroin. So what else could it be? And I didn't well, know. Then now, he needs, and then he the needs next to day, have it tested. Is, it, Bob, day is this, it powder? Is it powder? Yeah, powder, bro. Oh, powder. so it might be like cannabinol, like horse tranquilizer, exactly oh, what you're talking Jesus. about. Trank. Oh, Jesus Christ. What is what is wrong with these people? Yeah, but cannabinol didn't kill people the way this stuff does. I I don't I think it's the same stuff, Judd. I think mm -mm. Yeah, no. Okay, no, but well, so so let me ask you this, and I guess I, I like, lined up for that, yeah. that cannabinol shit. <laughs> well, so so they're talking about in in um in Milwaukee, so they shoot them up with Narcan and it doesn't bring them to. Why wouldn't it? I don't understand. So because the, the xylazine's not no, an opioid. But if the fentanyl is laced with xylazine, wouldn't it flush out the fentanyl and the person would come back to life? It would just make sense to me. Yeah, but it's the tranquilizer that keeps them from breathing. And, it, and it's an animal tranquilizer. It's a horse tranquilizer. And, and so what are and so what is the goal for parents at home? What is the goal of these children taking these drugs? What what do they want to experience? Because I, I don't high, really man. talk deeply. You know, I'm always talking about the solution and I don't really I don't really deal in things day to day anymore day to day you're always searching property and you find drugs and you're always talking with addicts 24 hours a day so you know what's going on in the streets i'm not like that anymore i come in i do a group it's all positive and solution oriented what to do and and how to get out of the spot you're in so i'm like years removed from knowing what these drugs are but yet people parents still call me to ask about the drugs and i have to call and ask or I have to talk to you, Chuck. Mike acts like an expert on drugs. When, when's the last time you saw somebody on tranquilizer, Mike? Oh, I, I long ass time ago. I don't know. So, but Chuck, you see them checking into the rehab like this week, right? And they've yeah. got it. They've got it on them. They just did trank a couple days ago. What I, the I hell know is their goal? What are they trying to, like, I know that. When I so let's go through the drug experiences because we we assess like when's the first exposure, you know how many how often do you do it all that route, route right. how many times a week amounts yeah right. all that kind of stuff. So my first experience was uh, beer and it was great and I loved it. And then we stole some beer from some some vacation houses and drank some beers. I remember the first night I drank some beers. Um, we had gotten a six pack of beer, two of my friends went out in the desert and we were each drinking one. I was probably 12 or 13, 14, yeah, no, 13. And I drink the first one. And then those guys are like burping and they don't like the taste of it. And they're like throwing up or like, you know, <laughs> and I was done with the first one and opened the second one. Cause obviously <laughs> six divided by three is two each. And I was trying to race to that third one because if these guys were going to throw up and, you know, wimp out, I was going to drink a third one. Very first time I drank alcohol. The experience was magical. The experience was like, I felt like opening up and like everything I thought now was I had access to and I could verbalize and I was confident. It did so many magical potion-like things for me, alcohol. Then the next drug was Black Beauties. Uh, uh, speed pills. Love them. Love them. Just made me feel so smart and cool and funny. And just so these drugs that, and then, then I found cocaine when I was like 17 or 18, 17. 
And that was great. A little expensive for my taste. A little expensive. You get you get five black booties, four black booties for five dollars, or you could get a quarter gram of coke for thirty dollars. I just felt like I don't know about this graduating to cocaine. I don't really have the economic uh, uh, the economics for that, right? But I would buy a, a quarter gram of cocaine for a weekend, right? I remember that would last a weekend because it was real cocaine, like uh, somebody said today, not 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 talcum powder. But so so I was still doing the black beauties. They make me feel smart and funny. The alcohol makes me feel confident and and all these. I was using these drugs to enhance and make myself feel better, right? At a very early age, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. When I get right. to heroin, it's just like Valhalla. Like, oh my God, there's an Elton John song called On Empty Sky, Come to Valhalla, Seek and You'll Find Valhalla. It's like paradise, right? When yeah, I did well, heroin, Viking the second seven. time, the first time's a little rough because you throw up, but the second time, I remember putting that record on and singing along and realizing this state that I feel is paradise. How are these kids feeling that from feeling dead, from feeling nothing, from slumping over face down on the ground without falling over? How is that making them feel confident, funny, sexy, cool? Um, how is it making them feel like, like they're in paradise, like it's such a beautiful uh, experience. They're not experiencing that. So, the, did you so ever, what did, are they experiencing? Did you guys ever do ketamine? Is that angel dust? No, that's fence. That's PH, PCP. Um, angel dust is PCP. Um, but no, ketamine was like the first kind of thing where it just puts you, you know, in the K-hole. You listen to the kids talk about it and it's just like a whole lot of nothing and immobility and just being at, totally at the uh, the mercy of the drug. There's there's a whole. Is, so what uh, I'm how asking is that fun? though, I don't what know. What is it? What is it that is so appealing about drugs to them? And why are they willing to die for it? If the experience is to experience a death, like I've I've had people tell me, well, I, what do they like? I say, what do you like about it? And they like, well, it's almost like being dead, but you're aware. I was like, oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> That's I'd rather not a feel, goal. <laughs> I'd rather feel cool and sexy and confident and funny. I would prefer to feel those things that cocaine, speed, and alcohol make me feel. Then the, the second category of feeling is perfection. Like, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. I just feel so good right now. This is mm. not what people are experiencing, yet they're throwing their lives away for it. I don't get it on a certain intellectual level. Certainly I get addiction and once you get exposed to it and whatever, you're going to do it, do it, do it in the face of adverse consequences. But I don't really understand how they get interested in that. Like, just think of what I'm saying. Confidence, sexiness. Uh, you think you're smarter. You're better having taken this drug. Girls like you. You feel confident to go somewhere. You can dance. You can do all these things that normally you're in your normal state of sobriety. You can't do. You don't have the confidence enough. You don't have. So that thing that drugs did for me and a whole generation of my friends, that's not what these kids are seeking with these drugs. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Yeah, and I, I don't know if you'd get a very straight answer from any of them because I've asked directly, right? It's just like, you know, hey, just out of curiosity, my curiosity, um, you said you, you did heroin and you liked opiates, and I get that because the euphoria, the, um, the false reward. That we I don't get know from if it's those. false. It feels pretty real when you're experiencing it. it. Well, it, but it's <laughs> but it, it's not. It's a chemically assisted reward. It's not an actual. So is everything. So is everything. Uh, Everything's no. an illusion. Everything is an illusion. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, you know. The, hey, I, I wait, no. I want to talk about that. The illusion of control, <laughs> and the illusion of stability. The people of Ukraine had that for years and it was usurped in three days. And now they live in chaos and now they don't own what they own and they don't have what they had and they have no stability and they have no society and they have no norms. It's all an illusion, these things. The real peace of mind, I hate to say it, is in, in the middle of chaos, you are fine. And I'll tell you what, heroin does that. In the center of the storm, of a chaotic life, $20 worth of heroin would make me feel like I can do this. Everything's going to be okay. Right. That's but a, that, no, that's, but a, that's, a, that's a true illusion though, because everything is not so okay. Is a, so is an orderly society. No, it's an no, illusion. It's, it, it's, it's not, no, no, because no, you you're getting that into the house, semantics of You it. think that house that you live in is worth however much you say it is because of whatever. If there's a huge <laughs> economic collapse, your house is worth nothing. But no, you but have I, this illusion that it's worth house, 500, 800,000. But the house is very real. It's physical. <laughs> it exists. It's not an illusion. I can't, it's not going to disappear if I close my eyes and open them back up again. It can go away. Well, yeah. It, if you, it's yeah, not it's an, the I'm not saying the state of mind doesn't go away. I'm saying it's an illusion, and so is much of life that we think is so stable. Well, yeah. You, you know the, what I mean? Once you realize that money isn't even real, and that yes. time Money is a man-made concept and all that stuff that the digital, the digital number in my bank account isn't backed by anything, you know, that it's pretty much monopoly digital money because it doesn't, it's, it's only a barter tool. I get it. Yeah. I mean that, that, but I think but it already what is, but what is real human relations are real. Right. When, when Amy just gave me a hug, that's that was real. not an, that was not an illusion, and I got a chemical reward for it. I got oxytocin yes, yes. and endorphins, and she said, "Have a good podcast," you know, and that's real. Now, if I inject myself my, with something, let's, let's switch. Let's switch to what my wife said. How long are you going to be in there for? <laughs> and you said, "With that attitude, we have, we have three kids. Like it's uh, a lot. It's a fucking lot." Yeah, I, I, I promise it would only be an hour, and we both know that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but no i'm really i'm really into the illusion of order because i i've been talking to people in ukraine like via like uh whatever it is email or whatever and uh man they were they they were living their lives just like us and now they live in utter terror and chaos so well, it's an it's, illusion so it's, the stability we have we take for granted it's an illusion on a certain it, level this generation in particular, because, you know, you know, hard times make strong people make good times and easy times make for softer people. So when there's been no, like, I didn't have a major world war, like, you know, 
my parent, my grandparents did, you know, where there was no illusion of safety. You know, the government loved that stuff. The, the, the fear as much as an illusion as anything. Have you noticed how, how quickly the news cycles change when it's not getting traction on what's scaring people? Well, you know what's getting old is now the they're gun now they're angry the gun, at the Dalai Lama because he said something stupid about uh, oh did he sucking a well no the gun the gun control thing I mean the gun control argument though though the right is criticized as always you know thoughts and prayers the the left is gun control we have gun control in California we have sh mass shootings like I you know we we have to like. We have to protect our children better. We have to like be attuned to each other. So this guy that sh did the shooting, you know, I'm always kind of attuned to these shootings because I'm wondering what the mentality is and how much social media plays into it. The guy was live streaming on Instagram, killing people. Did you know that? He was no. live streaming it on Instagram, killing his Wonder. boss, his coworkers. Like, think of that mentality. That's a mental defect. That's a mental illness. I don't know how much it has that, to do with, that's, you know, that, guns. Yeah, but how much How much does the fame and the, the notoriety and the being noticed, like the look at me, hey, you know, uh, the idea that as, you know, we get more comfortable as we, as we age because we care less about what people think so about us. So what could be done? Because I, I have some conservative friends when we were talking and i think i think when they leave these um these propaganda whatever it's called their statement it should be immediately digitally destroyed and no one should have access to it or anything else it should be i right. think if you took away the fame if you just disappeared into if irrelevance but it's all digital presence so we could have right. a law saying the person who does the mass shooting needs to be immediately digitally neutralized so that we wow. don't know his name, we don't have his social media platform, we don't have his uh, whatever Followers. it is. No, his what do they say? They have manifesto. this document manifesto. manifesto. That right. we don't have his manifesto. It's immediately digitally his digital presence in the world, or her, because the shooter last week was a girl, a woman. Their digital presence is immediately destroyed. I like that idea. So that they can't be famous. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can still have a if a news reporter wants to go out and stand in front of his house and talk to his mom, that's fine. But the access of millions of other disturbed teenagers and young men in particular to read everything they said. And you start to see this. The kid that did it in New Mexico, in uh, in Texas, Vivaldi, he was reading everything and all the manifestos of all the other kids and the New Christ Church kids manifesto it some of that is pulled right from his manifesto into the vivaldi kids manifesto he just pulled he's actually uh uh what is it called um copyright infringement of the other idiot <laughs> plagiarism plagiarism <laughs> of another manifesto do yeah. we really need to understand what they think and this goes to the fbi and all these other idiots the fbi knows who does this <laughs> it's it's the same people it, you know if you do the psych profile uh, you know unlike this female in in tennessee it's just tragic like but for the most part it's the same profile as suicide bombers in the west bank it's males isolated 
jobless, uh, friendless. You know, it's the same profile of people who sign up to blow themselves up and an Israeli lady sitting at a bus bench as that are killing their co-workers and co-students. Same profile. We don't need to know anything more about them. We know that isolation, lack of friends, lack of community leads vulnerable men or vulnerable young men to these websites that spit out this propaganda, this hatred. Another reason to get off of social media. You know what I mean? So, so they are susceptible to it and then they drench themselves and saturate themselves in hatred and, 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 and objectification of enemies and grievances. They do it. It's a profile. It's exactly. So why do we need to read another one of their fucking propaganda machine? You know, their, their manifestos. So they should be just digitally destroyed. The moment it's, it's, it's even suspected, not even convicted or absolute, but if this is the person and you have them and you have their fingerprint and you know who it is, you immediately go to the digital profile they have all across the, the social media spectrum and neutralize. No one can access their pictures, their pictures of themselves like that asshole in Charlotte that walked into a church and shot those poor people in their fucking Bible study. That kid, yeah. all the pictures they showed of that kid with his guns and his fucking bullshit. No, fucking neutralize it. It doesn't exist anymore. This human being does not deserve to exist on social media, on digital platforms, so they can live again to inspire other idiots to do this shit. I really believe fame has a lot, lot, lot to do with it. Oh, when kids would rather be famous than smart or rich or useful, I think it has a lot to do. <laughs> wow, wow. Well, say that again. Kids would rather be famous than what? Successful? Rich, smart, or useful. <laughs> I don't think anybody cares. No one's growing up going, I really want to cure cancer. It's such a small, but I think you hit on something interesting. First of all, I can only hear blowback from everybody saying, you can't censor people. They have the right to exist and they did exist and you can't sure do it. I can just, I can just hear that bullshit. But, but the idea that people that are sick, even if they're only one in a hundred thousand, they can find each other all <laughs> over the world and they become a large enough group to feed off each other. And I think it exacerbates the problem, right? So there, there's a good point there, but the, the other thing, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I this kid was inspired by the new Christ New Zealand shooter. Well, that guy went live, right? And he had yeah. shit written this, on his gun this, that was hate yeah, shit. And this, yeah, and this kid went live, right? And I and, just like you know, and the dehumanization of people, right? When you don't have community, when you don't really talk to people, like I'm doing this venture with, with some friends of mine and we don't really know what it is we want to do, but we want to build a community of in, in a, a music and uh, in the music business, this community, right? We've met with probably 30 or 40 people. Not one of them has said no. We thought a bunch of people wouldn't want to do it. Everybody has said yes. And you know why? Because it's community. Because they come to my office. I was there today. We sit around and just talk. I talked to this guy, Morgan, for three hours. And another guy, Chris. And this other guy, Jim, came over. We talked for like two hours. It's just community and communication. People are longing for that. And we don't have it anymore. We don't have it. 
That goes back to your, you know, the idea of a Suboxone clinic where it's also a place to hang out. You'd, you'd probably get people going off to Suboxone eventually because they've found the connection. They're getting the natural rewards that we crave that they don't need to, they don't need to get loaded. You know, that's that, that goes back to that Ted talk where once they make the rat city where there's a lot of rats to hang out with, they don't overdose on the cocaine. They drink the water, you right. know? So it's, it's like, yes. yeah, that's huge. And if the, the lone, the lone sitting alone and talking to people uh, that may or may not really exist. And the, the and just, and here's the thing, people think they're around people. And I saw it today. I saw two people at a cafe. I was driving home. Oh my God. I got off work at five, like four 49 driving down sunset. Do you know what it's like on sunset Boulevard at four 49 on a weekday? It's like no. hell on earth. You go, sometimes you don't even make it through. You're at a red light and you don't even make it through that next green light. It's just like, <laughs> so you kind of just give up. You just give up. <laughs> so I'm looking at these two guys and they're sitting at this cafe, right? Mike, you know, the seven 11 by, by my old house on Gardner, Gardner and sunset seven 11, the Rodney Bingenheimer seven 11. Yes. There's a coffee house across the street. Now there, it's kind of a built up area around toy and around there. You mean where these two news, guys, news of the world used to be type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's called TN coffee. Something it's a, it's a red, red little cafe TN coffee. Two guys sitting outside, beautiful day, you know, beautiful part of Los Angeles. It's just really great thing. They're both sitting outside, both on their computers. I, th <laughs> I thought these two guys are sitting and I, I was at a stoplight. So I was looking at them. And at first I thought, oh, they're talking, they're together. And then I realized, no, they're two separate tables that are very close together and they're both on their computers. So neither, here's my conclusion. Neither one of them are really there. They could just be at their house. Why do they go out to a coffee house to be on their computers? You go, we don't even know how to be anymore as human beings. Like leave your computer at home and go sit down and have a cup of tea. And then when somebody sits down next to you, say, Hey, how, how are you doing? How's your day? What are you up to? What's going on? We used, that used to be the society I lived in. And it's no longer that you got two guys who think they're out and about right they're out in society and they're both on their laptops just right. doing the same shit they'd be doing if they were home they could have been working you know they could have been working together working together on yeah on laptops? a project on some sort of thing you know where they have to look up stuff and they're like you know brainstorming and all kinds of maybe work. they're writers it's hollywood they, you know yeah that's what they do now i mean it's all i know but when does when does anybody ever just be and talk like i <laughs> I, I swear to God, I was talking about it yesterday. Like, person I work with said, Hey, Don't Die should be way more popular than it is. It's a really good podcast or whatever. And I was like, Yeah, I don't know that we even know how to do that. But what's amazing to me is how popular it is, anyways, because all it is is like three guys sitting and talking for an hour and a half. What the fuck? Why would you <laughs> sit around and listen to this? But I realized because nobody sits around and talks. So I think when Wiley's listening, he's thinking, well, well, Bob's just coming over to my house to talk. <laughs> and, this, and this is what it is, right? Well, that's then, the beauty of it, you know? You know, it is weird why podcasts are so fucking popular. So Bill Maher was on Rogan today or yesterday, and I tried to listen to it. I just find it so boring. I was just like, <laughs> oh, I can't do this. I was like 10 minutes in. 
like my favorite guy, Bill Maher, and I couldn't take it. Like they're just talking about nothing. They're talking about Elon Musk. And then they're talking about some other guy. It's just like, oh my God, who gives a fuck about this? But for some reason, people really like podcasts. They'll sit and listen to Rogan talk for three hours about That's nothing. That's crazy. It's crazy. He's got, he's got such a cult following. I don't know how, I don't, I don't get it, but you I know think it's what's what's really amazing is, is the, uh, the, what the fuck the, uh, Mark Maron, because he's just on there by himself going through his day, going through his thoughts, going through all this stuff. <laughs> And well, uh, he does interviews too, right? He does interviews too, but a lot of it is him just like you know who's yeah. really good interviewer podcast? Rick Rubin is a yeah. fucking great interviewer. Wow. He interviewed Michael Stipe from REM. Have you ever heard this interview? It was just a couple no. a few weeks ago. Like Michael Stipe's an amazing human being. Uh, he's mm. amazing. You gotta understand, they just quit, they just like they were in the prime of their lives, just like Chili Peppers, just like you two, and they just said, No, nah, we're done. They sold like, their publishing it, for a bunch of money and they just quit. And they just quit. And you, and you don't hear from them. And they, you well, know, yeah, like, he, I don't think he enjoyed the fame the way some other people do. No, he talks about it. You got to listen to this. He liked it. Did he? He liked, he liked being famous. He, well, you know, he's so honest. The guy is a fucking ma amazing human. We kind of need Michael Stipe, like Michael Stipe for president or something. You got to listen to this podcast. <laughs> he's so honest. He said, yeah, why would I get in a band if I didn't want to be famous? Of course, I, I wanted to be really famous. I wanted to write hit <laughs> songs and be famous. But he said something, and he was, and he thought, how amazing is this? And everywhere he went, people were cool to him, and he just has this thing. And then losing my religion. And then he said, that was the kind of fame that nobody could want. Wow. Right? Yeah. But everywhere he went, he's in the bathroom. Somebody's talking to him next to him while he's peeing. Like he's ev everywhere he goes. You can't walk down the street. You can't go into a store and just like shop for clothes because by the time you turn around, <laughs> there'll be 12 people there. That kind of fame, he says, like he wouldn't wish on anybody. And, and it was hard to navigate like how when, you, you know, and I think there's, there's only a few people that are that kind of famous in music, right? Like it, and it is time and place. It only exists for maybe a year or two. I think Kurt Cobain had it. I think I don't think Anthony and Flea have ever really had that kind of fame. Like that, you're the person who's everywhere all the time, every second. And that was that song "Losing My Religion." He talks about it. Fascinating, fascinating no, it was, guy. It was it was a huge crossover. It's hard for me to believe that that Flea and Anthony don't go through that. They must go through that. No, I go everywhere so with famous, them. so recognizable. No, but not like not like a song that is, you know. I think Amy Winehouse had that kind of fame, uh, and I think she came out of nowhere. The stuff you don't think under the bridge mm, was was it didn't get crazy back then? They were already famous, and it just kind of I don't know. Maybe they were. It didn't seem like to me. I just know. They've never had bodyguards. They've never been like lived in some isolated way. Like Johnny Depp had that kind of fame. And I think it killed mm -hmm. him. I think it almost killed him. But, but it's interesting. He talks about that. He talks about like, like now fame, you're just famous for being famous. He doesn't, he's never negative about people, but Rick really knows how to draw people into conversation. I think to talk about things that they normally wouldn't talk about. Right. Talks well, about fame he, very much. He talks about songs and songwriting and 
and discovering yourself as an artist and like all the feelings of being an artist. It was just a fascinating interview. Yeah. And he made me like Paul McCartney again when he did that McCartney three, two, one thing. Yeah. 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 It was Rick Rubin and Paul. It was yeah. just like the, because of the way, because they got him to talk about things that they were passionate. He got Paul to talk about stuff he was passionate about instead of music, pointing out bass playing yeah, and music and how, like, how Right. Instead and of the typical you and John were competitive and da da da. John said this about you. You, you know, how do you sleep at night and all that kind of shit. Um, right. uh, Rick was just like about the baseline. What, what did you think about? How'd you come <laughs> yeah. up with this baseline? Right. And it was fascinating. But Rick Rubin probably isn't that weird. Like a record producer is a better interviewer than all these people that make a living off of interviewing people because well, they're so he, brainwashed. Loves, he, he loves brainwashed. music, you know? I, that's no, but I think it's, a, it's I think it's the intention of what are you trying to get at? You're trying to have a conversation that's interesting. You're not just trying to gotcha, the gotcha clickbait, right. not get, the sound get bite. something to say something. You know, yeah. Klinghoffer said something in Brazil. It went all around the world and back. And I'm just like, ah, oh, why does he talk about it? Oh dear. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. <laughs> but I mean, and I went and listened to the whole podcast and he really w did talk about it in the context of what they had been talking about for 40 minutes. And then he said the thing that as soon as he said it, I was like, oh my God, this is going to go all around the world and back. And it did. Right. And it's just like, they just ask you questions to get you to say things that they know they can use for clickbait. That'll go all around the world and back. That's yeah. the truth. And so this thing was on a little tiny podcast. It gets picked up by everybody by the, but within 24 hours, it was in people magazine. Like that's how fast the shit of a little independent podcast in Brazil. And all of a sudden you wake up the next morning and it's on the cover of people magazine. That's crazy. <laughs> it's like, what a fucked up world we live in. And, and we're all guilty of it because we all click on negativity, right? Oh, it's something negative. Let me read it. But something positive, like, like, you know, it's something interesting or something human people aren't that interested in. Like the, like one thing that I know people don't like is that successful people have the same problems as, as, as everyday people or whatever you want to call it. However, however, whatever the politically correct thing to say, famous people have problems just like non-famous people, rich people have problems just like middle-class people middle-class people have problems just like you know working class people that we don't want to see the commonality in each other we just want to point fingers at each other for you know this and that and the other thing and one thing i you know on i i know on my phone there's a thing that says no phone id when it pops up on your phone mm -hmm. right and so right. I have a list of about four or five people that that is on my phone, right? So my phone rings the other day and it says no I phone ID or whatever. What is the term it says? I, I got it on my phone. Anyways, uh, and it's either one of like three or four people in my life, two of which I talk to all the time. So I expect, and I, some, most of the time I'm expecting their call. So I know. So it's unknown caller, but no, it says something. I tell you, it's, it's something that, I hate to say it. It's something that like celebrities or rich people do to their phone. I'm telling you, it's like, and I, I think anybody can do it, but it, um, no caller ID. It says no caller ID. Yeah. And I'm you can silence it. it. You can silence it. That's what I have on my phone. 
Uh-oh. You have no caller ID? No, you don't. It says Mike Mart on my phone. Yeah, but if I'm not, if if you're not in the contacts, it's an unknown caller, and it's um, and it doesn't ring. It, it, How does it say no caller ID? That's the point. Anyways, so it wasn't one of the four people. It was a fifth person, and I said, "Oh man, how you doing?" And it was about a problem. Guess what? The problem this person had was the same problem. A friend of mine. A friend of a friend of mine had called me yesterday, the day before, about same exact problem. The person who called the day before was, you know, didn't have a job, didn't have a place to, you know, was kind of ramshackle kind of life and trying to figure it out and trying to, you know, real working class or whatever you want to call it. A real scrambler. Didn't have a lot of wealth. The person who was calling with the no caller ID, probably the most success, one of the most successful people in show business, right? The, both people had the same problem within 24 hours. The same question. <laughs> the same fucking question. Mm-hmm. So why can't we see the commonality in each other instead of the bank accounts or instead of the likes and dislikes and followers? And why do we want to find reasons to not have things in common with people instead of just realize the thousands of commonalities we have? What is that about society right now? Why do we do that? I don't even know that that's a brand new thing because that's what they had to tell me when I walked in the rooms. They'd say, look for the similarities, not the differences. Because we're always trying to compare ourselves out of a situation or we find alignment with things we want to have in common. And I think it's just got a more negative slant on it where I, I think people have always loved to see famous or rich people fall. They've always loved to really. You know, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think people liked, uh, you know, I, I grew up around Bob Hope, and I, I don't think anybody ever wished ill will on Bob Hope. Well, I there, really, there, I there really was don't. no TMZ. There was no, there was okay. No, so you're talking about the last 20 years. It's been, yeah, like I'm talking about 25, 30 years. Yeah. I mean, since I mean, think about well, the 80s were freaking 40, 40 years ago. So, do you know that it, I thought it was pretty amazing the Gwyneth Paltrow trial thing where she just when she won that lawsuit she just sued him for a dollar. That was so yeah, amazing. countersued for a dollar. Countersued but, for a dollar. Like here, take that. You know, um, I love that. But but no, the TMZ world didn't exist in 1994. So how long is that? It's been 29 years since Kurt Cobain died this week. You know that. Yeah, but there was years. there was ETV and the, the the trash TV started up before then. And oh, that's right. There was a, there was negative actually there culture. was a thing that Maury Povich had called what was it called? Maury Povich had a TV show. Yeah, that was kind of like TMZ, but it was only 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Well, Current Affair was that a show? Yeah, Current Affair. Current was Affair. A yeah, and that was it, it was that. just like you know. So it was this whole thing where. You, you know, I get it. But isn't I get that Schadenfreude that you're describing? Like liking that people get their up and comings. But this ill will towards anyone who has success in life, that's weird. That's new. That's like, so the example being, if I if I say, well, this person has the same problem as you, shouldn't you feel a commonality? Uh, and I've said this before, people say, well, they, they've got fucking rehab, they've got insurance, and they got money, I'm sure they could get fucking the help they need. 
I got no, no, they, 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 that brings on a whole nother set of problems. Example being friend of mine's cousin went to passages and then used the day they got out or fucked up or whatever and didn't like the experience and said they were kissing his ass the whole time. It's all bullshit. Um, so there's a problem. You go and pay $90,000 to go to some rehab and it's all bullshit because it's just catering to people who don't want to get better or whatever, want to pay 90 grand and act like they did something, right? So isn't that a problem of having 90 grand disposable income to go to rehab that a poor person doesn't have because they don't have access to passages? So the, yeah. so the poor drug addict doesn't have to feel exploited taken advantage of ripped off by passages because they don't have the money right. to have that experience. So we all have problems is what I'm saying. And why we don't see each other as human beings first and whatever education, economics, race, religion, second, why can't we start to see each other as human beings? Because I think social media, I think the digital age makes us see the differences, race, Sexual orientation, religion, politics. Oh, I forgot the top one. Oh, let's let me start over. Politics, race, yeah, sexual orientation, religion, uh, economics. Uh, uh, you know, like why don't we think, see each other as I, as as Americans for one thing? What what, right? what is the what is the key player in all that? You're, I think you hit it right with politics, right? Because politics magnifies every single one of those things to an unbelievable degree, at least for, from what I can see, they take every one of these little things that are small issues and blow them up. And then one channel does it this way and the other channel does it this way. And now, you know, we the divide and the inability to communicate and the fact that people hate people they've never even met because of what they think they might believe based on what their party or affiliation is, is just it's so gross. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take. But it, isn't it, it the thing that's causing all the despair? The lack yeah. of the lack of human understanding is what's causing the despair. Because well, I, because because uh, but we, so despair death is what we were talking about today in this meeting uh, centered around the don't die Milwaukee guys, uh, don't die Wisconsin guys. The despair death. I mean that's a new thing. That, that that only became a category of death like 11 years ago. Yeah, Despair yeah. death. I know. It doesn't even sound right yet. It's not a part of my lexicon. You know, it's no, not but there yet. Do you know, like for those at home that aren't in the field, like Chuck and I are, despair death is suicide, uh, out, uh, alcohol and drug-related deaths, um, and uh, there's one other category that I don't understand. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, secondary uh, 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 mental health and addiction deaths. So if you're killed by the police because you're floridly psychotic, that's a despair death. Um, if you're die of cirrhosis of the liver, that's a despair death. Right. Well, you just, right? You, yeah, you've given up. Secondary yeah. condition to your primary condition, and that causes your, your demise or your death. So despair death, approaching 200,000 deaths. People in America are so depressed. 200,000 of us are just giving up and dying, either of drug overdose, suicide. Um, Overeating? Well, that's know, another category. That's another uh, category. That's obesity, uh, diabetes. They recategorize that. But despair death is a new thing in the last 11 years. 
What became central to all of our existences about 11 or 12 or 13 years ago? Oh, it's that social media. phone I'm looking at it's right now. It's social media. Yeah. I'm telling you. There's a direct correlation. to be, We have to put down our phones and go be around our kids. We've been making a huge effort, and it works so great. It only takes about like uh, two days of like, let's go outside. And I just loves outside. So he sprays the hose and we're all outside and we're all playing. And, and I forget my responsibilities and Elvis forgets, you know, TikTok and Sydney forgets black pink. And we're just all outside and you turn around and we've been outside for like four hours. That used to never happen, but it, we're making a conscious decision. Leave your phones inside and let's just be outside. We just did it before I came on this podcast. I got home about 6.30. They were already outside. I was just outside until I came in to do this thing. And that's when I got shit because I think Chrissy was like expecting me to give one of the kids a bath or something. <laughs> I got well, go you know podcast. what? You've got a responsibility to the Don't Tie audience. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I got to live up to my responsibility. So listen to this. So I believe we're trying to. And it's happening here in Los Angeles, but I don't think we can film in Los Angeles. But what they're starting to have pet teams go out with police. Did you know that? No. The new new project LAPD is doing it. Milwaukee's been doing it for years. They call it something else. They call it uh, I forget the note. But I want to have a TV show that rides along with the social workers and the addictionologists and the don't they call the them cat, cat teams now? Pet, they used to call it pet team here in LA, yeah, yeah, but now they're yeah, calling but I think it something they're cat. different. I think there's the cat. I think they're cat teams. C A T. I'm sure Huntington Beach doesn't have it. It looks like they don't have it. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you know, I found out they're, they're, the reason it's as bad as it is is there's a there's a uh, a large tent on Beach Boulevard that houses about 200 homeless. You're it's, kidding. It's near Slater and Beach, and it's a huge high tension tent. That I took a picture of the other day to figure out what it was because I didn't know what it was. And it's got like 12 showers and 16 bathrooms and houses, 200 people. And, and is it's it full. It's, full it's of for people? homeless people. So it's just like I wondered where everybody was was coming from in our area. It's been there for three years now. But I don't so normally go the home down Beach Boulevard. So that's the people that hang out at the pier every day. Those are the, those are the people that, yeah. I mean, it's just down the street. I mean, so it's it's walking distance. I'm sure they and give so them they're bus the ones, fares. Do you, do, can we can we think that they're one of the ones that hit the guy in the head with the skateboard? From sure. um, are they are they liberal homeless people or are they conservative <laughs> homeless people? <laughs> I, we got to zero I, in on their politics, Chuck. I don't know, but I did find out that it's it's. Two, it half of it is for men, a quarter of it's for women, and then a small portion, not quite a quarter, is for um, I think it's an eighth of couples and an eighth of non binary, non binary to keep them separate so that they don't have problems in the, yeah. in the tent in the, big know, in the big top. Being a guy with a lot of experience in the non binary uh police lockdown county ward areas, you know my story, don't you, Chuck? So if you want no. to stay out of regular pop back in the 80s and 90s, you would say you were gay upon being arrested and they keep you in this isolated, protective right, custody, right? right. right? Then they right. had a whole quiz that they gave you like on day three uh, to make, to, I guess, to uh, quantify your gayness or something. 
And you, you have to prove it. <laughs> you have to prove it. I swear to God. I, and you sat with this sheriff guy and he asked the most awkward questions. What is your favorite sexual position or whatever? I'd be like, ah, just like, you know, anal. I just like it. I just like it. I like in the it. Butt. <laughs> It was the weirdest thing. And then they asked the most me, and then the, the last time I was arrested in 96 that got me sober, the guy asked me what clubs I frequented. And luckily, I did know the clubs. I said <laughs> theoretical and uh, this place that was on Western near the 101 freeway. And I knew the places because I like going to cool places and fun places. <laughs> like, I went, I went, did, you tell, I went, did you tell him that you went to Cuffs? <laughs> is cuffs on what on on, uh, on silver like oh no not cuffs that was by your house yeah. no there was one on i went with uh somebody with tomato or somebody is on western right by the 101 freeway and i knew the name of that one then and theoretical was this gay once a month club that so anyways but they really used to quiz you to quantify or to give give some evidence that you belong here in protective custody and That's so funny. So what was weird was, and like, you know, I, I was very experimental back in my youth, Chuck, but I, you know, jail is not the place I really want to like get down, you know, but there was so much sex in the protective custody gay. Uh, so they put all the gay guys together in one, in one dorm. And they all just started <laughs> yeah. blowing each other. Yeah. <laughs> and i kept telling myself this is still reg better than regular pop Man, and the like, guy the guy in the like bunk below me had a, for him, had a, they, just had, they were yeah. they were going oh man as soon as lights out at 11 like it was all oh, hell would break loose in there three hots and a cut and all the dick you can eat <laughs> oh, i wow. swear to god so so, so that is so right when you were saying that thing, I was like, I want to be in that one quarter, not in the couples. <laughs> I want to be in that area. Yo, that's, yo, where yo. All the, that's where all the amusing stuff happens in that one area. Hey, you know, I just rewatched that movie Cruising the other day, man. It's oh, so good. Fucking movie. So man. fucking good. Do you know about this movie, Chuck? No. There's a movie starring Al Pacino as a as a gay cruiser in the hardcore bars in New York City. Well, Guess who do the cop. sound check, but, but he's going through the bars all dressed up in leather. And guess who does the soundtrack to a major feature film by, by United Artists MGM? The Germs. No. Well, they did a song. Swear to on, God. There was, a lot, there, was a, there was one song by The Germs on the soundtrack, Lion's Share. Yeah, it's huh. The Germs on a major theatrical release in there was a bunch of great music in that movie man. was it playing yeah. in a club or something so he's a, so he's a he's an undercover cop he gets promoted to like vice and um one of the things that they want him to do is go find this murderer that's in the gay community in the bondage gay community in the 80s so yeah. he's, you know he gets very involved in the thing and the ending is bizarre i won't even tell you it's kind of trippy it's sort of unending sort of but ending it's crazy it's a great movie but it's, it's, it's a well. great movie because that was the first time i ever saw that world and it was like i want to know more about this world it's so exciting and cool <laughs> right <laughs> and that's Terrific. everything like i had well you know, you know it's got some fisting in it it's got some yeah, all kinds of stuff man. <laughs> 
that was not that there was a graphically, but there was a club I used to go to in the Lower East Side called the Rooster. All it didn't really have. I don't know if it's called the Cock or the Rooster. It just had a rooster outside, a neon rooster, right? <laughs> and you would go in there, and there was like live sex things going on. You just walk off the street, and you'd be like, "Whoa." Wowie Kazowie. This is like <laughs> that's wow. that's no highfalutin place. <laughs> you didn't use highfalutin once this week. You used it a bunch and of times just, last week and I liked it. It's just so that was that was with the people. That was down with the people. And mm -hmm. you you know, and it was just so fun. And like everything, I don't know. I did drugs would be fun, sex, sex was fun. Like, what happened to fun, Chuck? Why are it's these a, people it's so out uptight? of fashion, man? It's well, out of fashion. It's in that one ward where all the gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you got to go to jail yeah that was also in that ward because you know you're talking about some free-flowing people right i mean in think that about it right like if you were place, gay if you're gay you'd just be like this is great why don't this is the greatest place <laughs> this is not bad i get to kick dope and like have fun but listen to this so that's the first place when i was in there like that was the first place i ever heard the term baby's mama uh, and I literally am so dumb, Chuck. I'm so <laughs> dumb and naive. I'm like thinking it's their girlfriend's mother. So they're calling their girlfriend their baby. <laughs> they're calling their baby mama. And so it's their. <laughs> and so they're referring to the mother of their girlfriend. That's how no. stupid I. That's what Palm. That's what growing up in Palm Springs does to you. <laughs> no, it's when it's when children have kids. That's a baby mama. I know, but when <laughs> no, I was no, when I, the first no. time I heard it was like 1993. <laughs> I was like, baby mama, baby mama. Oh, it must be the the guy's girlfriend's mother. Yeah, I, I can't believe that that's become a a working part of our vocabulary. It's just, it's such an odd thing because it was baby mom, because they're not always babies. That's my baby mom. And sometimes that kid is 10 or 15 years old. That's yeah, when not. It, when it, when it jumped that's the my rail, child's, it's when the it child's jumped mom. the rail into, into middle-class language is what right. you're talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah, I have kids that grew up on the cliffs in Huntington Beach in those gated communities that are talking about their baby's mama. Like what? Baby dude? mama. It's, yeah, baby it's just baby mama. mama. I'm going to start calling Amy my baby mama. <laughs> It's so crazy that you, you know, how you go and what and what. But the theme of tonight is why is everybody so opposed to fun? Why is everybody so angry and, and trying frustrated not to get along and, and, and not trying get along? not to get along? Like it's fun. Like I, I'm telling you, I think this being outside spring is here and just being outside. I just I think I just has OCD. He'll just sit there with a hose with a handle on it and just spray everything in the yard and just be. You can just give him the hose and you can leave him outside by himself because he ain't going nowhere. He just sits there and sprays that fucking hose it's everywhere. It's going to be a great he, summer, man. It is really yep. going to be a great summer. Uh, you know, Hanafest announced its lineup. It's the Foo Fighters. It's Pretenders. It's Father John Misty. Father John Misty, my, my favorite <laughs> artist. Oh, just oh, just my favorite artist in the world. You yeah. know, he's, one of the he's greatest Friday songs night. ever. He's Friday night and then Eddie is saturday night and then it's pretenders and foo fighters on sunday from what i remember and that japanese breakfast or whatever it's called is one oh, of my yeah. daughter's favorite band that sounds fun. fun so when is it late september september 28th okay sign off i gotta go move some cars right all right now. go move some cars i gotta go uh hopefully put some kids to bed what time uh, is it
Nine ten. Okay. Good night. Don't die. Good night, gentlemen. Shout out to everybody. Try to have some fun night, this week, peoples. people. We got have it. some fun. I'm gonna What's have some fun. What's the name fun of the game? In your honor. See you bye, later. Bye. Bye.